Uh, I ain't going to have much good to say about him. I can tell you this. He doesn't care two bits about the people that live on Staten Island and Brooklyn. He, he, he has a podcast that he has to create content for that he talks about. You know, for, he needs drama to you know, feed his podcast, right? He's a fraud. He's a fraud. He's becoming a jackass at a time when we need to have a serious debate about the future of the party and the country. Hello and welcome to the Alexis Pereira program. I'm your host, Alexis Pereira. And with me as always, huh, let's see, the uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene to my AOC. <laughs> oh. Alex Estrada. Alex, oh, how are you, buddy? I'm okay. I'm okay. I was hoping for a more topical comparison. You know, that's yeah. the. I feel like Taylor Green AOC is sort of an evergreen. I was hoping you'd go Bugs Bunny to your LeBron James. Well, so you know, bring, bring this around so we could talk about Space Jam Two. God damn! It's, is it, it's, I don't believe it's called Space Jam Two. No, it's I called Space it's called, Jam: A New Legacy. Thank yes, you. Yes, and I am so glad. As I've said this before. A few months ago, they made a movie for women called Cruella, and men made fun of it. And I thought that was so messed up. This is a movie made for women. After years and years and years, they made a movie not for you men, okay? They made a movie for the ladies, and you don't have to make fun. You don't. We don't need your uh, uh, side commentary, men. Now we have Space Jam, a new legacy, a movie for psychos, okay? <laughs> And we have uh, all these non-psychos who the movie was clearly not made for commenting. This is not your film, my friends. Allow the psychos to enjoy Space Jam, a movie which I believe has Austin Powers references, has <laughs> Matrix references, and it's for kids who are nine years old. Yes, yes. It's, it's amazing. I love, like, my favorite thing about the movie is that LeBron James plays uh, Michael Jackson's father. He gets... <laughs> Extremely upset when his sons uh, talk about anything aside from basketball. Perfect. <laughs> Almost to the point of hitting them with a two by four. It's very, <laughs> very. We have our first comment from our, one of our, our watchers here. I absolutely came here for Alex <laughs> correcting Alex about the title of Space Jam Two. Thank there you so go. much. Thank you so much. They don't. They don't call movies two anymore. I believe. No, they don't. Even, even Suicide Squad sequel is called The Suicide Squad. Which is a little bit ridiculous, Alex. How are you? How have you been, my friend? I've What's been. New? I've been great. It's been a couple, what, a couple weeks uh, since you and I have uh, sat down and talked man to man. I've been doing okay. I'm, I'm working through uh, my diet. I've lost uh, a couple of pounds, so that feels good. Is so there a name for this diet? Or this, this is the this is the, this is the slow carb diet mm. uh, that I've been on and off uh, for the past. It feels like two years. It's been two years. In two years. <laughs> I will say there was a point where you were linebacker edging on lineman uh, weight, and now <laughs> I'm, what's it, I'm getting close to quarterback. <laughs> I can feel it. Put hey, me in, coach. I see kicker next year for you, my friend. That's you're how skinny you're as as, getting. As long as I've never coached, if I've never coached, I'll be okay. Coach is the end of it. That's <laughs> a guy who doesn't get the COVID vaccine and dies at 58. That's there what that go. is. Boy, my, my week is pretty exciting. Uh, coming up, I will be going to Amsterdam. Oh, 
so very fun very fun you want to put what's uh is there a a general plan is it just uh amsterdam for a couple of days taking the sights the sounds the smells there are a few childhood fantasies that i'm hoping to uh check off the list (laughs) you're gonna put your finger in a dike and then you're gonna plug up a dam (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i already did that before won a bet but I am definitely going to go to the museums, and in fact, we'll probably talk more about it because we have a special guest today. Oh, we do. And so, let me look at her bio. I, I, I this this woman, I, I can't even believe we got her. Okay, uh, if if you've watched NBC's The Wall, okay, you've seen her beautiful writing in the upcoming show, Jason Biggs Cash at Your Door. Okay, you'll see her writing. She wrote for a little app called HQ. Okay, I think you're familiar with it. Then she's I've also a writer on the on the foundation, the sketch team, the foundation. And if you're wondering why I'm reading her actual bio, it's because she said I wouldn't get any tonight if I messed it up, and because she God. is my girlfriend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Fenton. Aaron, how are you? Hi. This is where this is the distribution of us most days. He's in the living room. Uh, I'm in the bedroom, and uh, we have a lot of lotion. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen his Twitter. I know. <laughs> I just, if you're watching the camera, it's just there's so. And when we started dating, that is one of the things that I liked about him is that uh, a lot of men they don't have things in their apartments like they don't have tissues or they don't have paper towels or if you're like i wash my hands my hands are so dry i wish i had some lotion i never have that problem here well this has been this has been my biggest critique of many men's apartments my entire life they barely have toilet paper if you if something happens to you they're like man you can use a toilet paper roll if you want to wash your ass. Not me, I have lotions, I've got soaps, I've got tissues, paper towels, uh, toilet paper that doesn't give your uh, ass a rash. And I'm in charge of buying all of that in my apartment, by the way. Even even though Aaron, my lovely girlfriend, has moved in with me, we, we share the, uh, the, the costs of everything, but uh, I'm in charge of making sure we have all the stuff. I, I just love because this entire thing is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just learning. <laughs> well, anyway, so this couple's like therapy hear session. More about uh, our division of labor in the apartment. <laughs> I, I'll here. I'll give you a guess. Um, I recently asked Alexis to clean the bathroom. Um, there are three major components to cleaning the average bathroom. There is the sink. There is the toilet and there is the shower. So Alexis cleans two of those three things. Alex, can you guess which of those three he did not clean? He doesn't clean the toilet. Well, okay. So, well, well, what's second? What's the second most important? Alex, I'm, we'll, I'm going to guess it's the it's maintaining the cameras placed above the toilet. Okay, all right, cameras aside, <laughs> my goodness. I mean the sh- I mean for I mean like, I'm going to give the same answer for my wife. It's the shower. The shower is like the um, you know it's like the the focal point of arguments in our marriage. I'm a very hirsute man. And so it has to be maintained at all times, which is impossible because you get in there, you're filthy, and you get the filth off of you, and then you have to, yeah. So the shower is my second guess. 
Interesting. Okay, so that's what I didn't clean. So, wow. but but here here's the, here was the issue. I cleaned the toilet. It took a long time, and then I cleaned the sink. And then I was like, you know what? I'm I'm super messy. I'm super dirty here, and I just feel like I need I need a shower right now. So I took a shower, and then it was too late to clean the shower. So that's mm. that that's what happened. Do you, do you not do a clean while you shower? <sighs> no. <laughs> I'll send you the tapes. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll review your ground game. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just as a reminder, it's not just recorded. It's also broadcast live. <laughs> now, Aaron, you wrote you're, you wrote for a show that's coming out soon. It is called Jason Biggs Cashier Door. First of all, I hope Jason's married and has kids and is not single. Is that true? All of that's true. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And what was it like writing for that show? And tell us about that show. Um... And <clears throat> uh, so the show is from the makers of Cash Cab, uh, except it's like instead of getting into a cab and you're in a game show, Jason Biggs shows up at your doorstep and uh, has a game show in the house and answers questions that I wrote and does little bits and uh, you can win literal cash. Uh, apparently they dropped the trailer five days ago. I just watched oh. it. Yeah. So uh, everyone mark your calendars for August 31st, 11 p.m. It's going to be on the E channel, Ooh. exclamation point. E for entertainment. I like it. Uh, it's actually like, I would have said yes to anything. That's my, uh, <laughs> my rule about writing for television. I'll well, do anything. Yeah. Uh, but I was delighted to find out the show is actually great. Like you get to uh, see inside people's houses and they have a wide variety of that. And it's... Uh, you get to see them try and answer questions with their family. If they can't get a question right, they can go to their neighbor and try to see if they know it. Uh, and oh, that's cute. when they told me the host is Jason Biggs, I was like, that seems kind of left field. But I got to <laughs> say, watching him, he is a great host. And that's not an easy skill. I mean, Alexis is bad at it every week. So. Thank you. <laughs> Thank there you. it is. Uh. <sighs> You know, I gave her some pre-written jokes uh, to make fun of me with. Now, actually, Mike, do you see divisions within the family during the the questions? Because I bet, like, those come through. Like, you could see, like, oh, God, the son and the mom don't like each other. Did you see that during the taping? Not at all. Not Uh, at all. Uh, it, It becomes clear that there is a trivia head in the family and that there is the speaker of the house for the family and Mm. sometimes they're the same person and sometimes they're different because it's kind of like like maybe the husband knows everything but it's like it's kind of shy so she he's like the wife is the one who like places the order at the drive-thru she's the one who's like okay the answer is celery yeah yeah (laughs) i make my wife check in for reservations for the same reason i think they'll go easier on her than they will on Mm. me i honestly do that I ask Aaron to do that, but only because I think on the phone, they're just like, oh, woman's calling? We'll, we'll really write it down. Whereas when I call, they're like, oh, just that Latin dude who used to work here is... <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> the, throw some slop on some bread. He'll eat it down. <laughs> Thank you. Truly an insane meeting we're having where I'm learning <laughs> that you guys think that people take women more seriously. White women. 
excuse me, white women white over women. over over <laughs> what you got over here. Okay, that's right. Yeah, Alexis and I walk into a restaurant. They're like, "Love a plato, love," and they shove us in the back. <laughs> oh, and by the way, just as a reminder, Alex and I are both two Latin men named Alex who are in long-term relationships with two white women named Aaron. So there we go. You know, now I. How many episodes did you guys do? Like, and, and how did the whole process work? Did you just write a ton of questions? Because it's a new show, so I'm guessing you were figuring the stuff out as you went along, right? Uh, yeah, I have no idea how many episodes there are. Uh, I should. <laughs> I don't. Uh, purely guessing 12. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, we... I had worked with the head writer before and uh, he gave us sort of uh, topics that they needed more of and then sort of the difficulty at which to aim. Um, So it's like, let's get some fun, easy questions, maybe about pop culture and some science. Uh, And once you have a lot of questions built up in a bank, then you sort of narrow it down. Um, And it was, I've never worked on a show in its first season. So there was a little trial and error. Uh, we found that we needed to make the questions a lot easier mm. um, after our first couple of rounds, uh, because you don't realize how much the average person who gets to a game show is a real trivia head. Um, and someone who didn't know they were going to be on a game show today is maybe <laughs> a little less uh, apt to get the uh, obscure questions right. Yeah. I wonder if you accidentally uh, uh, caught or interrupted a home invasion at one point. <laughs> just like, just one guy with a gun behind everybody's back, just like, answer the questions. But then he's, <laughs> then he's trying to answer correctly, too. Well, these people know that there is somebody coming to their house. Like, uh, it's not like he knocks on the door. These are people who have been... Uh, actually, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say legitimately but uh i guess i will say that they are not truly ambushed but they are also surprised nobody expects for jason to be there nobody expects for it to be a quiz show uh not everyone knows they're going to be on camera so that's pretty funny because they probably are aware that they're going to be on some kind of game show right but then the guy from american pie shows up at your door like that that to me is pretty funny of like and to me it's an interesting perspective on why you might want a celebrity as that host because that shock whereas if it's just some random person you know some host who hadn't been on tv before it's just kind of like oh hey welcome it's professional but then then like a celebrity who's just like like a zoe de chanel or something like that people are like whoa what the heck is going i really am on tv like it really comes through on on camera but you're also you're in the jason biggs age range like uh not everyone recognizes him on site which is something that he's totally chill about uh well, that's funny. Right. We have, we have a sexual development tied to uh, Jason Biggs. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah. No, he just, uh, he is fine if people don't know who he is or they're not fans. He's just incredibly chill um, and legitimately funny. Um, I have not met him, but I watched him from Video Village, uh, which is just where... You can see what's happening on all the TV cameras. Did you guys shoot in a particular geographic location or was this sort of like spread around or what? 
uh, all around like the New York area. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Like there are apartments in New York City. There are people out in Long Island. Um, but nowhere that was far for anyone to drive. All right, so it's a it's a hometown show. I like it. That's nice. Yeah, I love I love a good that's New York weird. production. New York. Wish strong. they came to my house. I could really <laughs> use that six hundred dollars or whatever. <laughs> Aaron, how did you get into uh, quiz quiz writing? I mean, you quiz me a lot. So is that part of it, or how did yeah, you get no. into trivia stuff? I, I when I applied to work at HQ. HQ Trivia, uh, it still exists, but I'm no longer a part of it. Uh, there are lots of podcasts about it you can listen to if you're curious about what happened with that. Uh, I just applied to work at HQ. I had a friend who was working there, um, and she passed my resume along. Uh, they knew that I had never written full-time for a game show before, but I had done a couple of live shows. I, my, the first trivia questions I ever wrote were for uh, a branded content section with Oreo for a live stream about the Grammys to promote their collaboration with Wiz Khalifa. Uh, so I wrote questions about Oreos, Grammys, and Wiz Khalifa. Uh, and I really relied on that day and a half of work in my HQ interview. And then, uh, yeah, interesting. I, see, I would have, see, I would have expected Honeymade to do a collaboration with the Grammys, mm -hmm. you know, because the Graham crackers, you know, that's that just seems the more natural thing for me. Oreos is a fine cookie. Don't get me wrong. But. I just think it's nice that some people will hire on a day and a half of experience and some people will look at years of sketch writing and go that not good enough. You know, hey, to each their own. Is, is this something that you would want to do moving forward? Like, I feel like you really want to get into narrative as I think we all do, right? Alex even works into narrative now. Um, but uh, is this something you could see you, yourself as a career writing for uh, uh, quiz shows? Is it like a little group of people, like a subgroup of writers that you see? Um, I know a couple of people who really do quiz full time and they go from show to show. Uh, I would love to keep doing uh game shows they're a lot of fun it's just sort of a it's like a different skill set i don't know like i used to um sort of like writing sketch is different from writing a long-form narrative program it's still satisfying but in a different way like it's really fun to get lost in the world of like a, a pilot or a narrative uh and sketch feels more to me like a puzzle like you have to like make all the pieces fit together within this very limited form. Um, and then uh, trivia is even smaller than that. It's sort of like writing a limerick, like make it snappy, make it interesting. Mm. Um, there are a thousand things to think about uh, when you're writing a good trivia question. Uh, is it interesting? Um, have people heard of it? Like it's there's nothing exciting about answering a question about like some obscure metaphysical rule that nobody knows, but it's very satisfying if you're like, oh my god, what John Goodman movie am I thinking of? Where there's a chance that you might know it, it's just coming at an angle that's kind of surprising or a question that teaches you something. Um, it's easy to write just a 
did you know this question? Uh, but it's hard to write a really good trivia question in ways that it's, it's hard to explain. It's yeah, like I always, porn. I know it when I see it. I always find it psychotic <laughs> that, in, for example, on Jeopardy, a lot of people seem to be well-versed in the same area of knowledge. And I'm just like, what book are you fucking reading? Is there a book that I should be reading of like Jeopardy, stuff Jeopardy people know? Well, uh, my dad was on Jeopardy mm-hmm. um, as, yeah, he uh, came in third. Uh, he It's respectable. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but he studied a lot before he went on. He uh, There was like a big book that like the New York Times published. It's like the New York Times book of facts. And he would just like, flip through it and read through it at random uh, while he was preparing to go on the show. Um, But yeah, it's sort of, I've written for shows that are for that kind of professional player. And then there are ones like Cash at Your Door, The Wall, where it's sort of like, these are ordinary everyday people who don't, aren't super into the minutia and history or religion. And it's just something that your mom would know. Like, and uh, they're both mm-hmm. hard, but it's yeah. a different facet of hard. How many calories would you need to survive in rural Colombia in 1955? <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> something my mom would know. Yeah, well, that's that, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, it's it, it's just something that to me. It just feels like chemistry, like writing a quiz question. Even I don't, I don't even feel comfortable sitting in the audience of quizzes like the, these like bar quizzes because I'm, I'm always like what question are you going to ask how would you know that i know that and then it's always i i literally and i've i've gone to a couple and i always like you know i know half the stuff but then the other half i'm like who would know that i'm more weirded out that somebody would know that than than it, like then i'm happy about it and you're there eating your burger and drinking yeah and it's like it's too much stimulation and sometimes i'm like the only person there and i'm like dude i don't <laughs> I don't want to play, man. Uh, yeah, one, one time I did two, and I saw the same guy uh, asking the same questions at two different locations. Because mm. uh, I guess, like, you know, he just had a rotation of places that he did. So I caught yeah. him at two pub nights, and I was like, oh, this isn't fun. Did <laughs> you win the second one? No, I, you I didn't play. It felt uh, wrong. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> nice. It, you know, it was wrong. Yeah. It it's nice wrong. to have ethics. I don't, <laughs> yeah. but it's nice to have ethics. I was going out too much at the time. Well, speaking of making money, it'd be nice to play a commercial right now. So let's have a commercial right now. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. And we're back. So again, we add these commercials during our podcast. Aaron, you know how every week I go on a rant to you about something that bothers me, all right? Twice, three times a week, right? Well, I've been saying them to this podcast every week in a monologue form. Would you like to hear this week's monologue? I, let me say something first. Oh, sure. I'm very familiar with your monologues. Um, Alex, I'm sure you are as well. Um, 
a lot of thoughts, a lot of musings, and very occasionally jokes. Uh, but what you may not know is when those jokes happen, it's because I wrote them. No. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is this is the dirty secret of the... <laughs> I like, have been brought in to punch up a number of Alexis's monologues. Wow. So, uh, so you're saying this on the air. <laughs> oh, behind I, did, it, uh, I did not punch up this one. I don't know what it's going to be about. Um, so if you like these monologues, hire me. Okay. And if you don't, it's probably his fault. Yeah, it's probably something in delivery, you know, when you're doing, you know, English to Spanish and then, you know, like the way that he, uh, <laughs> it's Alexis's uh, unique delivery style. There is a funny process of when I show her my monologue sometimes where she'll be like, yeah, like it is kind of funny that you're going on for so long without a joke. So maybe that's the joke. <laughs> but then she's like, but maybe there's a, jo- a joke. One on one student notes. It's very kind of you, Aaron. Well, <laughs> Time no, to listen. please, let's hear it. Sure, today's monologue. <clears throat> I went to a bar last night, and I'm starting to think I'm too old for bars. Firstly, everybody else at the bar was 18. I knew I was at a party, but I didn't realize it was prom. Apparently, everybody in New York City <laughs> who's over 30 before the pandemic had a kid and moved to Vermont. Now, I get New York is a young person's city, but imagine hating your parents so much you moved into your NYU dorm in July. (laughs) Secondly, I'm a believer in the vaccine, and in fact, I don't even fear getting a breakthrough case. But these teens were tempting fate too much even for me. It's a pandemic, which is not a great time to be licking each other's sweat on a crowded dance floor. Finally, I'm never again going to a crowded bar that makes fancy drinks. While I waited to order a beer, people kept ordering fancy drinks ahead of me. And each time the bartender put on a show. A seven-minute show. If you're making fancy drinks in a sweaty nightclub, there should be one guy who just serves beer. Have him stand at the side with a sign that says, just beer. A child can do that. And if you're looking for a child, there were several at the bar. Or install a vending machine for beer. I put $20 in and one Corona comes out. Terrific. Don't even have to tip. This is how you can make bars more comfortable for a dad like me. Now I open it up to the panel. (laughs) What's your favorite kind of bar? Aaron, we'll start with you. What's your favorite kind of bar? Um, I like... I feel very comfortable in a dive bar. Um, I love to get a cheap beer. Um, I love it when the bar is full of townies. I love it when, you know, everyone is smoking inside and their dogs are running around everywhere. And there's like probably a couple of open bags of Fritos. Like that's great. I love that. That's nice. So it's just like a live, like a, like a Midwestern bar. Just to kind of, yeah. Right? I'm a simple gal. Every just, time I get a fifteen dollar cocktail, I think I didn't need this. Yeah, that could be seven beers. <laughs> Alex, what's your favorite type of bar? My favorite type of bar. Well, I've I've evolved over time. You know, mm. I think I used to be a very like uh, you know a very sort of dive bar kind of guy, and then for a long period of time, I was into like starter bars, like bars that had like just opened with like new bar owners who really didn't know what they were doing. 
and so you go <laughs> you go in the it's Take like vanish yeah exactly basically there are like three or four places in these village this that is I fucking like crazy circulated through where you show up and it's just like they don't know they don't know how to price anything and so it's like everything's really cheap and they don't I've really never advertise. heard this idea in my life <laughs> of this genre i go to new bars because they don't know what they're doing <laughs> they don't, they, i mean like that's the thing well they don't tend to stay open very long is the thing <laughs> but there, there was one place like by my old apartment in the east village that like I think it had the same owners, but it got like, you know, renovated or like redecorated. Like they changed the theme and the name like three times in the span of like two years. And so it was like, you know, th those are the types of places that you go and it's like, oh, you can go. It's cheap. It's not crowded. Um, and, you know, it's, it's within walking distance or whatever. It's easy. And I think now I've sort of just shifted uh, to pubs primarily. Like that's sure. my thing. So I like a nice pub. You might get the food option, but like it's it's that thing where it won't go too crazy, and you can get like you know your vodka soda, your beer, whatever it is. It's good for I, dads. I'm going to describe my perfect bar, and I'm not sure if it exists, but I'm just going to describe a bar that I would like to go to. Okay. I uh, can I ask if they're going to be topless women in the <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> I don't think you're legally allowed to do topless and alcohol in New York, are you? What about strip clubs? Oh, I guess strip clubs, yeah. Okay, I mean, like, a bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might know this, lawyer Alex. Do, mm. Are there different zoning laws on a bar and a strip club? They have different licenses. They must have different licenses, mm. yes. Okay, so can I do my thing, or are you guys going to have a yeah, debate yeah. about by, strip by, club by, by legislation? Please, yeah, Alexis, please tell, yes, tell us okay. the bar. Okay, so... First of all, when we get to the bar, there is a handsome man at behind a uh, little uh, podium who asks, how many? You know, and I go, oh, you know, table for two, please. So we go in, there's just a bunch of booths, right? Just like all around a room, maybe a couple tables, but just like a lot of booths. And they're just very darkly lit. You can see people kind of, but you can't quite see much. So you go, you sit down in the booth two-person, three-person booth, and the booth kind of faces the middle of the, of the restaurant or the bar. A uh, server comes over, asks you what you would like. There's no menus. He just gives you a list. If you ask him what stuff, stuff is like, in fact, he doesn't even ask, give you a list. He asks you what you like. What's your, what are you in the mood for? What kind of wine do you want? And you, he gives you like a little, you know, I want a fruity wine. That's like a red, not too sweet semi-dry and he goes ah perfect i got the perfect wine for you and what would you like uh, uh sir and i i tell him oh i'd like a strong uh, red wine or the dry wine he goes yes i'll be right back he he goes he almost reappears magically with the two glasses of wine puts it down and and uh, we're sipping there we're all we're all there in this crowded this little crowded like bar we're all facing in a, in a booth like you know in our booths and then a woman a beautiful woman walks to the center of the room, just in a, in a gown, like a beautiful gown. And she goes, attention, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and then she just like pulls out her tits. Okay, so that's, that you was know, your that that was that's my... Question. So, okay, you know what the tag I would have recommended? I would have said there's a cockfight going on in the middle <laughs> of the bar. That's how I would have ended it, because that would have been... <laughs> I would have had her singing, like, yeah. have her to be, like, the girl in the James Bond movie, where they're, like, they snuck in, like, the person who sang the theme song, and she's over there being, like, Yeah, Goldfinger, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's your bar, not mine. All right. I don't like a lot of things about your bar. I don't think I would go to it. Why? What's wrong with the? You don't like darkly lit. Well, they booths? don't put. They don't have the menus for yeah. one thing. So yeah, I think the menus are weird. Yeah, if that's you like don't know what you're in thing. the mood for, then like 
that's when menus are great because you're like, oh, here are my options. It's like you're taking away multiple choice and you're making me write a fucking essay question. Right. There's nothing and, and sexy the, about menus. And, well, the places that, and the places that do that where they like, you know, try to get your sense aura in order to get your drink right, the drinks are always 20 bucks a piece. I mean, come on, Alexis. Oh, it's expensive. There's so much inequality in this country. And you're this just place. exacerbating it with your bizarre... <laughs> let's see what the... Well, let's I mean, see the, what the listeners think. There truly must be a waiter for each table for yeah. them to quickly get in there... And then immediately bring your order back. Let's yeah, see what the listeners think. This is psychotic. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. This is Space Jam, a new legacy territory. <laughs> <laughs> I actually no, but uh, for real, maybe maybe a jazz quartet, something like that, playing while we're sitting at this little dark bar. You know, something sexy, something a little, something a little, uh, um, a mood, a little dark mood. Uh, How many people are going with you into this bar? Well, it's just, it's all couples, Aaron. You it's you could be couples? my you could be my date. Yeah, it's all cup. It's a couples bar. It's like a sexy wine couples bar. I would never want to go to a couples bar. That sounds like hell. Oh my god. Like, what about being with your friends? What about like? That's the best part of a bar. That's the we're all gonna talk and have a beer, and I'm gonna watch my single friends hook up. Like, See, I don't like that. You're it's robbing so many of the things I like. It's a mess. Watching these people mess around with each other. It's a mess. Yeah. Okay, so let's I love mess. Let's get to the news here. And we have I mean it, it was a it was a pretty newsy two weeks. And there's some stuff that you know, there's like protests in Brazil and protests in Cuba and protests in Colombia, you know, and I'm just yeah. You guys I, go ahead, read read the news that you want to read and it'll tell you what's you know your opinion is uh, what what i want to say about those protests though is i feel like the way the us views foreign government protests is many times psychotic and imperialist and when you have thousands of people hit the streets right it does look bad admittedly and this happens in many countries thousands of people hitting the streets but Governments are often unpopular with the opposition, okay? And the opposition is not always the majority. In fact, often it's a very small minority. For example, let's say the United States, where it's like 51, 49, right? <laughs> okay? So imagine if the entire opposition in the United States went out into the streets, as they did on, you know, January 6th and not since then. It would look pretty bad, Okay. Now, imagine being in a foreign country and being like, well, if thousands of people are in the streets, then the government must be overthrown and we must help. That would be ridiculous, okay? So I just feel like people should remember that when thinking about opposite, you know, protest across the country or, or, or across the world, especially at a time where trade has been completely decimated by COVID and commerce and people are, are hungry. I don't think they shouldn't be protesting. I do understand why they're all doing it. But for people to just slap on this, hey, you know what, people are protesting, then uh, we should send these rowboats to Cuba and overthrow the government. Did you see that? This woman's like, oh, we all got boats and guns. We want to go overthrow the government. Uh, don't, don't be doing that. <laughs> don't be doing that. In fact, you know, you can do whatever else you want. But just the idea of like, we, we got to be imperialists. We got to just overthrow people and, and make them do what, you know, make them do the right thing. Well, you know what? Uh, we, uh, hey, we're pulling out of that situation we created in Afghanistan and Iraq. 
that didn't go well. <laughs> so just yeah, let's do let's do Bay of Pigs, uh, but the improv everywhere version. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was like so- the French approach to approach to protesting. It's just, you know, the French, whenever they're mildly inconvenienced, they'll go out there and it's like a rite of passage. Like you watch any French movie about like a teen coming of age. It's always like they go hang out with their friends at a protest and the government listens because they hate it when people are even mildly annoyed. Well, you know, it's a workers country, I I think. I don't know. Socialist socialist country. I mean, not everything over there is great. They're very rude. <laughs> I was gonna go for racist. They're very, very, uh, they're racist very particular. Country. Very particular about their films. Yeah. <laughs> Ra- racism is a form of rudeness as well, if you think about it. <laughs> um, but le- but here are the news I, I do want to cover. Uh, Alex, um, it appears that uh, the vaccine, while I believe it's pretty strong, there appears to be a few breakthrough cases. Can you talk more about that? Certainly. So. Yeah, there's been uh, reports as uh, businesses have reopened, uh, people are, uh, society, I guess, is sort of kicking back into that pre-pandemic swing. And as a result, uh, people who have been vaccinated are starting to um, catch COVID. Uh, there have been cases of infection where people who've received both doses uh, are getting COVID and in some cases hospitalized and in some even rarer cases uh, are are dying. And, and typically these have followed the sort of the same patterns for infection uh, and for severity that we've all uh, sort of become familiar with. Uh, older folks are at higher risk, people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, but yeah, it's basically the, the consequence of America sort of getting back uh, to normality, uh, which comes at the cost of human life. It's interesting that we have these phrases for a disease now, like breakthrough cases, when for years, when we had the flu shot and even the other vaccines that we had and, and there would be people getting it, they'd be like, oh, well, the vaccine must have been not perfectly right. For example, the flu, like, you know, the flu shot works pretty well, but then there was always a small percentage of people who would still get the flu. Right. Well, that, part of that is because there's guesswork when they when they sort of create the new uh, flu vaccines that come out. And so in some years you have very, very high uh, effectiveness. And in other years, the, the flu mutates in ways that hadn't been foreseen. And so the vaccine is less effective. Sure. So that's Just, that's a big part of it. I mean, it's wild. It's like you have these like fashion forecasters who are like forecasting <laughs> what the next trends are going to be. And it's like. I have no, like, they, I I know more about clothes than viruses. I have some reasonable guesses how we guess what's happening. You know, you see what the shows, like, that the designers are putting out. You see what people have been purchasing. How, I have no major idea. Cities. Just like fashion, major cities. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you, uh, you see, like, where, if, for example, if, like, a virus is developing in, like, oh, like, Milan. You're like, okay, well, that's going to be the that's going to be the one that spreads across to the entire the entire world. Same thing with fashion. Is that a guess or is that a, I actually know this? I don't. I'm guessing. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I thought we we're all guessing. Oh yeah. Do you have any guesses, Estrada? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, honey, you got the best guess so far. There we well, go. no, I'm just saying that uh, the idea of a vaccine is to prevent a mass outbreak, which it appears that among the people who are vaccinated, it is doing that because the it's the unvaccinated people who are in the hospital, you know? So, I mean, really the main thing I want to talk about is the breakthrough cases 
it's part of the success of the vaccine. Is that crazy for me to say? It's just it, the, the low level of people who are getting seriously ill. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like the the idea is that if enough people get vaccinated, it presents sort of a, a very large shield against the against the virus. And you know, the fact that people, you know, even though they can still catch it, they tend to get a milder case, which tends to uh, lead to less hospitalization and the less chance of a risk of serious death. Like those are all good things. Like those are things that you uh, you like to see. Uh, but part of the the frustrating uh, thing is that a lot of the you know, where we're seeing the big spikes in these cases are with the uh, the unvaccinated. And then, you know, if they hear about something like, well, breakthrough cases or people still get hospitalized on this thing. So this, you know, I'm I'm just as well not getting it. It's crazy. You know, yeah. The odds are the same when it's not. But yeah, at this point, I think it's just become political for uh, for a lot of folks. Like in the very beginning stages, it was about it was about the difficulty of getting a vaccine distribution. Uh, there were certain groups that were prioritized. And now at this point, like there really is no excuse uh, there, for not getting one. There's a there's a debate going on online. There was a man and, you know, this happens or whatever. There's a man who said, oh, I've got 99 problems and a vaccine in one or whatever. Just some <laughs> stupid tweet. He's not popular or whatever. And then he caught COVID and, 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 and died. And. You know, obviously that becomes a war zone now. Now people are like, you know, how dare you, you know, attack a man who died and, and blah, blah, blah. And then on the other side, it's like, see, he was he was fucking with the virus. He was fucking with it and said, I'll be fine. And then like he hit him and he died. Um, but um, when I went to school, they would show us fucking horrifying videos. OK, people doing drugs. OK, people like whatever having sex and being murdered i don't know whatever fuck just like basically trying to teach you us saw people getting murdered <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically just like you know oh like uh uh they had sex and then they got aids or whatever and now they're dead um you know basically all the all the stuff they, they do to scare you into doing the right thing okay i'm guessing that by showing that people who felt super healthy and super positive about like not getting the vaccine and then died from it it's an example of like why you should get vaccinated and that's, yeah. you know, there's just such propaganda on the other side, like the woman who got a vaccine and then died a couple of days later. And she's like a blonde mom in her 30s. And like the New York Post is like, what? Angel mom uh, waxed by vax. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of disturbing how quick it came up with that. Thought shot. <laughs> That was pretty good, Alex. I thought you were reading that. Like you could yeah. be. A, you, I always said you could be a New York Post writer. You think like them, <laughs> fucking reactionary asshole. Well, it's so funny. We're talking about like uh, you know the you know these examples of the propaganda. It reminds me. Um, did either of you guys go to Catholic high school? Yeah, yeah. you guys did. both did, right? Of course. Uh, did you guys ever have an abstinence-only group come and talk to your school about the importance of abstinence-only? Yeah. Did you guys do True Love Weights or a different one? I don't remember what it was. Mm, I, I It might have been True Love Weights. Yeah, True Love Weights. Well, so the way that, that mine works is like they send a guy out who you know comes out. He's like, I'm Paul, uh, and I'm a virgin. All right, everybody, have a good laugh. And then he talks about <laughs> So everyone laughs at him, and then he just talks about like... Imagine if they laugh for like half an hour. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's so. This well, so the thing. So he go, you know, he goes off about the importance, you know, the dangers of having sex, the importance of waiting, and everything else. So he comes out, you know, he does his thing. They do a couple skits uh, that are horrible skits, not sketches. 
and then they bring a woman on and it's a woman who is is not a virgin uh who talks about losing her virginity at like you know 14 or 15 and then she does you know she it escalates like she's having sex with people she doesn't know uh she ends up getting a venereal disease and she tries to commit suicide but then she meets a guy and the guy that she meets is uh, the Virgin Paul from before. The you know, go ahead, laugh it up guy. And they're getting married. Huh. What? <laughs> and you know, the, the thing is, like, you know, Paul talks about the fact that uh, you know, in in God's eyes, she's a virgin again because you know, she made the pledge to wait till marriage. Fuck! I would love to see the look on Paul's eyes every time <laughs> she talks about all this sex she's had. Just every. All right. Um. Thank you, Paul. I uh, I have a different story. Okay, I've been double team, triple team, quadruple team. Come everywhere, shit everywhere. All right, I've you name it, I did it. You Google it, I did it. Okay, I've sucked more dicks. Okay, than anybody I know. All right, right, right. But then I met Paul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the good times. Well, that's the, that's the funny thing because you know they spend nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they point to the fact that like kids sign all these pledges and they promise they're, you know, they're gonna whatever. But the thing is, like the, you know, the negative consequences of, uh, you know, premarital sex or whatever. Like, you know, you, you know fucking kids don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, you know, I guarantee you, ninety percent of the people that walked out of that, like, don't even think about it. Well, it's way. funny to me that when, whenever they have the pro, like the person who had sex and faced the consequences, is it's not a person who had sex. It's a person with a. Uh, an addiction <laughs> to <laughs> sex okay it's not like you know people everybody a lot of people want to have sex okay it's pretty common it's a pretty common feeling a biological um, drive i'd say yeah <laughs> a lot of um, among many species but yes. uh not everybody is just like uh, to anybody i would take it from anybody you know you i would stop i couldn't work and that's why sex is bad you know and like no you you yourself have a problem a horrible you- problem are you fellows familiar with a book called Go Ask Alice? I've heard the title, uh, but I have not, <laughs> not got past that. It's a great title. Go Ask Alice. Go oh, ask before, Alice. We, before we move on, uh, we got another attempt at a New York Post uh, uh, headline here from our listeners. Uh, Natalie Holloway back from the dead to be killed by COVID. <laughs> there we go. That's one on uh, page seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry, no. So Go Ask Alice is a book from the 70s that is about drug culture and Mm. it's about a girl who was so innocent and she gets pulled in to drug culture because she goes to a party and somebody gives her LSD. And when I read the book, I was like, this is so real. I can't believe it. God, I hope when I am in in high school, nobody makes me go to a party. (laughs) Uh, And when I was home uh, visiting my family, I found the book. And it is clearly made up by someone who has no idea what drugs are. I went to a party and they gave me LSD and then I just felt like I was flying and then a man. Basically, this girl goes from like normal high school girl to she tries uh, weed once and then goes down the rabbit hole, blah, 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 blah. And she ends up like a prostitute in the streets in the middle of nowhere. And it's all in the sake of a cautionary tale. I've, I've talked about this before, but when I was in grade school, for some reason, I was an expert. Like, they made us become experts in how people sell drugs. Do you remember this? They'd always be like, uh, okay, so you guys know how drug dealers sell drugs, right? And be like, yes. They give you the first one free, so you become oh, yeah, addicted. 
and then right. and then like I grew up and I'm just like literally nobody has ever offered me weed free as the first one, you know. The <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Famously addictive weed. Yeah. Yes, of oh no! Actually, I, the weed's not doing enough. Do you got anything harder? Yes, oh, I do. God. I've got crack cocaine. <laughs> I just remember watching Six Feet Under and they did that thing where they like they dipped the weed in like formaldehyde or something and it like put a kid in a coma and I was like, I'm never doing weed again. Uh, uh, I happened to a girl actually you in, never my, have. in my you high never school. Have. She like smoked weed with some it was laced with something and she had to go to the hospital and yeah, that shit happens. That's that's part of the the problem is that it's illicit. There's nothing, you know, and that's what happens when you have illicit drugs. We should uh, make the vaccine illicit, and maybe then oh. people will want it. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's I smart. like that. Yeah. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's move on. Uh, Alex, the the Olympics has begun, and I I believe a uh, Korean broadcaster had a very interesting way of representing the countries. Uh, Yeah, a little little, uh, broadcast company called MBC, Amazon Mabel. Uh, was broadcasting the introducing uh, countries as they appeared at the Olympics and accompanied them with some very, uh, I guess you would call them colorful uh, descriptions. Well, (laughs) what was Italy? Italy was a picture of a pizza. Uh, For Romania, they showed a picture of Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, they described the Marshall Islands as a former nuclear test site for the United States. That that was its descriptor. It's like Godzilla. <laughs> and then for Ukraine, they showed a picture of Chernobyl. Yeah. So, I, their, actually, yeah, their explanation was that, you know, we really had a very short period of time to introduce these countries to our, our audience. So we wanted to make sure they were playing by sketch roles. We have to get everything out, like... Like, you know, who, what, what, you know, who, what, where, what's the We don't have time to Google this. It's the first thing you think of. Go. Look, actually, so I saw some more of them. And it, it, the, the, it, at one point, I was just crying, laughing. Like, Haiti, it's a riot? Like, <laughs> what? I mean, let's let's play this game. Let's let's oh, do Aaron, it. Aaron, I, I don't think we want to play this game. All of awesome countries, and you guys have to say the first thing oh, you know like, about them. All right, no, I mean, I'll I play know. a couple. Like, yeah, I don't give, know. Us, give us five. Okay, well, can I host this so that we don't get fucking fired or whatever? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Greenland, always looking for a game show. Greenland, <laughs> Greenland, ice. I- the color green. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, uh, we'll just let's see. Trying to pick one where you guys won't slip up. Okay, Sweden. Sweden. IKEA. Uh, log cabins. Okay, very nice. Uh, okay, just going through this. Okay, South Africa. South Africa. Oh no. Uh, okay. Oh, a Mandela. Um, I was about to say apartheid. Yeah. <laughs> but awesome. I really should do that America's Next Top Model shoot where they made them all pose with bats, which is not mm. probably no. safe now that we think about it. No, we yeah. think about it. There's some where, you know, I'm sure they'd be happy with whatever, they, like Australia, it's like a koala or a kangaroo, I'm sure. Or Something a prison. Like that. 
A prison? <laughs> a big prison. That's just the worst part of... Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I guess so. And then... What what would we like? Uh, what would be Colombia? What would like? Were they going to put like cocaine, like or or like pot? Like what? What would they do? I'm, I'm even I'm even curious what they did. Well, I mean, genuinely, I think they'd probably put like something Aztec related. No, Aztecs from no, Mexico. Yeah, there's no Aztecs. Oh, were they? Yeah, uh, you're thinking of the uh, the Inca was Peru. Inca's Peru. Yeah, they, we had yeah. another. Colombia has another Native American group. It's not Incas of Peru. Uh, Maya is southern Mexico, and Aztec is northern. Mexico. There was a pre-Columbian culture, I believe, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> wow. Very good. There we go. Very good. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so that's pretty funny. It's just funny when people do weird shit like that, right? Well, it's it's also interesting too because it's like a you know culturally it was acceptable to a national broadcaster think like okay this yeah. is like this is the natural several way to do it. people signed which, off on well, this. It's what's also just you know if you're thinking about it, it's like those picture books when you're you know you're learning a new language or something you're taking yeah. Spanish and it puts like oh the picture next to the word and so it's just like yeah Italy pizza uh, yeah uh, Romania. Uh, Dracula, uh, you know, France, uh, riots, protests, like, you know. God, just you, doing- Chernobyl, Chernobyl for Ukraine <laughs> is just so strange. It's I just guess. incredible. Those guys have, uh, you know, the Odessa Diner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a sports nut, as, as you guys know. And I, so I watched, I've been watching the Olympics. One, one strange thing, especially in the news, it the news reported that a woman thought she won, put up her hands, but but came in second, uh, a bike race, right? And so I'm just like, what happened, right? It took me fucking forever to find out what happened because, like, I thought, what did somebody pass her? Like, you know, it basically, it was like that was the headline. You know, she Austria's blah blah blah. I thought she won, and, and in fact, somebody else won. But what had what had really happened was the person in first place won by so much that she forgot the woman in second place th- forgot that she was ahead of her okay <laughs> so you know that i think that's interesting too but it's just i just was annoyed by, by like the way that the news put that um and, and then obviously the second the second part about it is that japan is only 13 percent vaccinated and they're having the olympics there i mean th- I, don't, I don't i sometimes i just don't get it it's like i almost feel like trump was the only person who took covid seriously you know, because he bought all the vaccines and like we're flooded with vaccines. We have so we literally have a vaccine for everybody now, whereas all these other countries like they're just like, oh, they, they thought they could wait it out. And now they're ordering vaccines and now they're still checking it out. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get well, it. Like, it, how could it, it was it was interesting because I was I remember New Zealand, for instance, got a lot of praise early on for its approach. They did sort of the, the total lockdown. Uh, basically, their society and government sort of changed to support people during this time, and everyone lauded it. But the thing is, like, they're still like closed, basically. Like, yeah. they don't have there. There's no no plans, basically, to get a distribution going in the near future. Like, the idea is just to isolate, and that's like it's great as long as everyone can get behind it and it it works. Yeah. But it's like, but you know, also granted, they're like yeah. they're different. Like the you know the way the country is laid out, right. uh, the access that they have is like very very different. The United States. Uh, which took sort of a bombardment approach to uh, getting a vaccine done, warp speed. So, you know, it's different in that way, but it's like, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's difficult, I think, for the world to kind of get back to normal when it's like the, you know, the resources available are so, so different between all the countries. 
I think we have to find somebody in the middle here because we cannot have a society that's closed. And I do understand it pre-vaccine that we we did need to close. And so I disagree with anybody who was anti-lockdown before. But now I am becoming a little anti-lockdown because if you get vaccinated, you're safe. Okay. There are people who choose not to get vaccinated. There are people who cannot get vaccinated and they should be there should we should be you know careful for them but there are people who are choosing not to be vaccinated and they're you know we're having reopened offices and a lot of stuff yet i don't know i think we're gonna have to do it i think we're gonna have to reopen because we can't keep closed people are gonna go fucking insane oh yeah but you're saying we're saying that from a state where i think 70 percent of people in new york are vaccinated and that's not true in like arkansas which is (laughs) insane that's on them that's on them if they don't want to get vaccinated and they want to go out then I don't know. I don't know what we literally cannot keep closed. There will literally be a civil war. And again, I would be totally for a pro a lockdown if we could do it. We can't. You know, people go fucking insane. So at a certain point, I don't know. I think we're gonna have to just let the rubber hit the road and let these people face the consequences. I mean, they're already facing them. I don't know. You know, I've been catching up on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills today, (laughs) and it is a little wild to watch it because it was set like in November, December of last year. And it does feel like stepping back in time, like three of the cast members got COVID and had to isolate. And then they all had to cancel a bunch of events because California was going back in the lockdown. And like, we've, we've come very far from yeah. where we were when they shot that season, you know? I, I think we've gone far. And I, again, you know, we do have to pre-vaccine. We had to close down. We couldn't do it or, or it would be fucking millions of deaths. But now that there are vaccines and there are available, people aren't going back. We're not putting that genie back in the bottle now. It's it's all out. And I think that for people to be like, we're going to we're going to think about closing down in the future. Don't don't even say that out fucking loud. There will be dis- like and again, I'm not the one who's going to do it. I'm not the one who's going to go out in the street and protest. But there will be people who are going to go fucking insane. And I think it's dangerous, you know. Just get your vaccine and go go out and let let them, you know, let the people die if they want to. At this point, we don't live in France. When people protest, we don't just give them what they they want, <laughs> even if we maybe should. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, Alex, what do you think? Like, I feel like you're kind of in the middle. Like, I I don't know. I feel like now that people have vaccinated, just shit shit's got to reopen. Right, right. I mean, like the it's it's so weird because it feels like the the policy is sort of like ricochets from place to place and time to time. Like in, in the very beginning, it's concerned like, well, you know, the, you know, the cost of, I felt like the big message in the beginning, and maybe this is part of this was the last administration was like, you know, we sh- certainly want uh, to save people's lives, uh, but not at the cost of economic prosperity. And we're sort of having like a sort of a different version of the same debate now uh, where the, um, the Democrats are now in power and are sort of taking the thing of like, well, you know, we want to, um, you know, have, uh, you know, uh, preserve life for sure, but not at the cost of like, of breaking the economy, of sending people back home, of shutting down schools, of shutting down businesses. And so it's sort of like, we're at this, this weird point where it's like, look, we were presenting all the facts. This is the information that's available. Uh, you know, this is the United States. You can still do things that are bad for you, uh, even if they affect other people. And so I, you know, my thinking is that if you're, you know, maybe if you're a region or something like that and, 
you have the ability to you know to shut down and make accommodations for people and your uh, your concern for your population you can take that measure but if you're in fucking new york it's like like hey if you want go down to cvs this thing is free like you can you can literally walk in and get it now yeah. like you don't have to you mess with the website like just show up uh and and get the jab and if you don't want to do that at this point it's kind of like you know you're it's the decision it's the decision you're making yeah I just don't like that we're, and, and, and look everything needs to be taken seriously including breakthrough cases they need to be taken seriously people are still getting even a little sick can can lead to more things so you know I'm not saying that we have no more problems we have problems but we're creating a bigger problem politically by saying there's a lot of people who don't want to get vaccinated and we have to stay closed again I'm not on either side of this thing I'm just saying that's a that's dangerous because there's going to be a fucking problem. Somebody's going to go, people are going to go fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, like what's likely going to happen is this is going to end up being like a seasonal thing. Like we're going to be dealing with, with COVID the same way we deal with the flu or with anything else. It's yeah. going to keep coming back. We're going to keep having to, uh, to get vaccines maybe for the rest of our lives. And uh, this is just part of living now. Can't wait. <laughs> I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the final thing I wanted to bring up is, I mean, this is something like that's personal to me. Uh, and so maybe it's not like the major news story, but um, there are people who are considering maybe turning the empty storefronts that we have littering New York City, l fucking littering and not just from COVID for years and years into living spaces uh and alex what what is what have people come up with that so the well the interesting thing is it's a very interesting article uh that people should read and the yeah the gist of it basically is there's been a push to maybe redevelop some of this vacant office space into into housing and and a lot of the major coastal cities uh where real estate is very much in demand we have a rising uh homelessness problem and the a solution that's been put forward is to redevelop these uh, this vacant uh, commercial properties uh, into places that people where people can live. And the article sort of goes into a lot of the issues and the problems with that. Um, there's a lot of discussions by architects about how not every space, every vacant space is ideal for human uh, habitation. They even said uh, Goldilocks uh, issues yeah, they, where it's like some places are too big and some places are too small. Right, right. So there, yeah, there are certain considerations. You know, these things were not made for people to live in. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Chipo the, yeah. the closed Rite Aid on Broadway? Right. That's right. <laughs> The Chipotle on Union Square was <laughs> was it made for, so the yeah the a big discussion they had is like a very very small portion of these um, of these spaces are actually of a, um, a what's it called are are fit for human habitation and the other issue they bring up is the economic one um, the thing is it's if you're taking commercial space which you know typically tends to have like some of the best. Uh, returns the oh. most valuable property. Yeah, the rent and then, must be insane and then, on those. Exactly, and you're mm. suggesting that, like, okay, well, landlord, like, why not give this to people who uh, traditionally lack the means of uh, paying for secured housing, and accept, uh, you know, that uh, that type of profit? Like, yeah. people are not jumping all over that. You know how you were getting thirty grand a month for uh, this space? Well, there's a homeless guy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that's so yeah. So I brought up some of the the issues with that. So it's not looking like it's a you know it is sort of a fantasy. I mean, like I think uh, all of us at some time have looked at buildings that have gone into disuse that have been abandoned, 
and you know the the thinking is like you know hey like what if they turn this into housing for um marginalized and vulnerable people well what do you think aaron because i just feel like i see all these fucking empty storefronts empty offices especially during the COVID era like i mean they have to do something with them i think what people lose sight of is that creating more housing doesn't solve homelessness um it just doesn't like if we're committed to turning these office spaces over then i just don't see a world where unless there's a, a committed task force making sure that these are actually serving vulnerable people that it's not just going to turn into like affordable housing in new york <laughs> like these lotteries they're and they're so ridiculous. Well, that, that was one of the examples, Aaron, in this article was, you know, they talked about this project and like they turned it into a studio, which rents for four thousand dollars a month. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, <laughs> like, this is not but, like we're just we're not a society that cares about the homeless or that sees them as yeah. human beings. And like that is, you know, I when they were moving all of those people from that park in Southern California and they didn't, people didn't want to leave their tents and go to a hotel. Like we assume that these people are being irrational, but they're actually not like they know what happens. If you go to a shelter, it is often worse. Your things can get stolen or taken. You might be unsafe, especially if you're a woman and having your own security on the street might actually be the smartest choice for you with the options that you have. And we just don't have a society that's equipped to give these people what they need, to give them the stability, to give them just the money that would solve yeah. so many problems. It's well, like, this just mm -hmm. isn't, it's not going to do it. But I'm not necessarily even talking about the this solving the whole, and I know that the article talked about like empty spaces, homeless people, like, and I, I do get that, but I'm not necessarily talking about that, but just even just the, the there's like a new type of urban blight yeah. where it went from, you know, debilitated buildings, you know, fucking destroyed and it, you know, it looks like shit and brings the whole property down. Now we've gone to just empty, yeah. empty shit. Yeah. And um, to me, at least, it feels like there should be, if I were dictator of New York, I would threaten them uh, with something. And uh, honestly, at a certain point, I would go, you know what? I'm going to make this a shelter then. If it's going to be, if it's going to stay empty, it's going to be a shelter. And we've going to, we got to figure out a way. And I do agree that like, you know, just, we're not like, we're not just creating apartments uh, that, you know, feel whatever. It was like, you know, they take these buildings and they become like millionaire apartments in like San Francisco. I don't want to just do that. But it's just uh, em emptiness is to me like it just affects everything because then there's like less for me it's like there's less apartments and then like the people who need like who could afford that move down and then the people who could afford those move down and then like then you have people at the bottom get squeezed out and become homeless mm -hmm. and it just, like i don't know it just see, it seems to me that like just we need to figure out a way to not have empty shit all, you know, because it affects right. everybody. Well, that's that's part of the thing, too. And there's been a lot of discussion because, you know, there were there was a period of time where it felt like everybody who was buying a new luxury apartment in New York was a Russian or Chinese national mm -hmm. uh, who was using it as basically as an investment property, which was not being occupied. 
and they we're reaching the point now where a uh, a well-heeled landlord uh, that has a lot of commercial spaces can afford to keep that empty for years, take yeah. ta- tax write-offs on the losses, and say like, yeah, I'm going to wait until Chase Bank uh, or McDonald's comes knocking. Uh, and as a result, you basically just have the these simulation neighborhoods where you have empty apartments, uh, empty storefronts, and like everyone else just getting like squeezed out uh, because no one can afford to uh, to live there anymore because there's no like everything that's being done is like it's almost conceptual. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, this is where the, the you know the billionaire will live. You know, when his son graduates from college and moves to New York in eighteen years, this is where his uh, the bank will be in five to six years. Uh, this is where the the fast food place will be. This restaurant thing will remain open until uh, Colicchio decides to open up something new, and we can just sit like this for years and not worry about it. There's a building right by me and Aaron that it's like seven empty storefronts. They like re- they, they tore down a building, they put a new building up, and it's seven empty storefronts. And there's like a sign in the front, and it's like put your restaurant. Ca- cafe store here put whatever you want here and that shit's been empty for like seven years uh this stuff affects everybody emptiness affects everyone it's just like like the more emptiness you create it starts to squeeze everybody else it raises our rents you know it like makes raises property values um and and it sucks those places are designed for businesses to be in them and the problem is really that no one can afford to run a small business anymore Mm-hmm. Like a lot of those empty storefronts you see, they used to be family pharmacies. They used to be meat markets. They used to be places that were run by small families. And, you know, you can't have a pharmacy anymore. Nobody's going to go to it when there's a Rite Aid. It's yeah. like, it's the same problem that we're seeing out in my country, in the Midwest, where it's like Walmart comes to town and squeezes everything out. It's just, there's no longer. Like these places are not supposed to be homes, these places by us. They're supposed to be small businesses that then can support the people around them. It's like, I, I just feel like changing these spaces is attacking a part of the problem that it just doesn't even, none of it fixes what the real problem is, which is just continued consolidation of businesses and rising inequality. And like, not to be a Debbie Downer over here, but like, <laughs> what we're seeing is a broken ecosystem. Like, it's like when the bees die, we're all going to be back. Like basically these buildings are those dying bees. I saw Snowpiercer. This all makes sense to oh me. My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Cuomo, Cuomo won't let you be sleeping on the New York Snowpiercer train. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no room for Aaron Finn, not yeah. even in the caboose. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I'll use my caboose to find a space for that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anyway, Ash, so that's no that's our break. show. That's okay, it. Aaron, please. <laughs> yeah, I see that show. black in your guys' kitchen. Well, yes. well <laughs> signed by both of us, my friend. Uh, Aaron, that's our show. Thank you for coming on. Um, so where can the people see you? Now, your, your Sketch Group Foundation is performing again as well, I hear. We are. We had our first show back in the real world at the Squirrel. I think we're going to do another one, but there's not a date on the calendar yet. So, you know, follow the Foundation's Instagram and stay tuned. You can... Uh, Catch up with me on Twitter at Aaron Holly Fenton. But most of all, watch Jason Biggs Cash at Your Door, uh, August 31st. August 31st on E. Do they do E put their shows online? Or is it just, I mean, probably a little bit. I think bit. so. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, we end every show uh, with uh, today's uh, third wheel. 
uh, Alex Estrada <laughs> with some final thoughts. Alex, do you have a final thought today? I do, I do. Well, you know, in honor of the fact that we have a genuine uh, quiz master on the show, uh, I figured that I would actually, uh, you know, uh, get my final thought out in the form of a uh, of a trivia question. So if you guys would indulge, will you guys I'd indulge me? Love to hear it. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And like, if you know the answer, you know, I'd love yeah. to hear it in the form of a question. All right, here sure. we go. Uh, this hacky, cartoonish reboot, rated 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, recycles the same over-the-top premise of the original and features a psychotic leading man trying to get a hold of his animated co-workers. Hmm. Wow. I don't know. Aaron, would you, would you have a guess? And, Is it Space know. Jam? Yeah, I guess it was Space Jam. No, Please no, no. Is that your guess, Alexis? Yeah, Space Jam. I'm gonna Space Jam. I'm, af- I'm afraid not, folks. And not even in the form of a question. The correct answer is, what is Detective Sully? My gosh. <laughs> Excuse <Wow>. me. <laughs> well, you're breaking my trivia started. rule. It has to be something that people have heard of. That's true. <laughs> there you go. Tenuous and obscure. That's I'm, how we do it I'm here. taking out the last ten minutes of this fucking show. I swear <laughs> to God. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.